Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Tara and Ryan. I am Tara Ballman. No, I am Ryan McAniff, and Tara is here. How are you, Tara? Hi, Ryan. I'm good. Thanks. I'm, I'm bringing the energy. We have Jeannie Christian, right? Jeannie Christian with us of Aging Care Management. I don't know how she got that URL, but go to agingcaremanagement.com and you will find her. And she is our guest this week. How are you, Jeannie? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I will, Tara, I will let you get started with the questions a little bit because you, uh, you have some specific questions for Jeannie. Well, we connected, she is part of our Atlanta chapter of the National Aging in Place Council. And we actually connected uh, when she was working for her previous, uh, in a previous position at an elder law attorney and we put together some educational programs. Um, so that's how we originally connected. And then she just started her own company. So um, you started the company during COVID, didn't you? <laughs> that's exciting, that's exciting <laughs> venture to take on. Tell us a little bit about what you do and your background. I will do it. Um, I'm Jeannie Christian. My new company is Aging Care Management. And it is crazy to start a company during COVID, but it's just such a felt need that I just thought now's the time, no matter what. Um, so basically, I help people whether they're in crisis or planning. And normally, it's people with parents that are they're trying to figure out um, what to do now that their health is declining. And they're thinking, what is the next step? You know, and so I said to the, some friends the other day, I'm sort of like an adult daughter for hire. Um, I can just come in and help with the nitty gritty and help figure out what they're gonna have for dinner tomorrow, or I can help make sure that they leave the hospital and go somewhere really great. So kind of all these details, but um, yeah. Yeah, and that's really where you helped my friend. I am out in Orange County. You are in Atlanta. I have uh, my husband's very good friend. We'll call him George. That's not his real name. <laughs> but he called one night. His father, you know, kind of took a tumble down a set of stairs, um, had some issues, uh, undiagnosed dementia and some other issues that hadn't been addressed and actually didn't take, uh, didn't call anyone during the first tumble. I don't know if you knew this. He took two tumbles down the stairs that night and it was the second one that really probably sent him over the edge. So um, George called us not knowing what to do. Um, just like, oh my gosh, we, I have to find a place for my dad and we got to get him in the hospital and then I got to find a nursing facility and then my myself or my sister's going to take him in and I don't know if my marriage can take it, can her marriage do it, we got to redo all this and I'm like, hold on, let's call, I have someone to call. <laughs> so that's when we called you. So maybe you could take us through the steps of when somebody calls you frantic like that, my dad's in the hospital, I don't know who to talk to, What what do they do, what is the best way to go about it and how did you the steps you took for George yeah I'm so glad that you had him call us I think we texted all evening and all the next day um thank you know thank goodness for text we've got quick ways to go you know it's so great to call an aging life care manager and there's a national association called aging life care association and so we're all over the country and we're dialed in and I just thought, what's the easiest way to describe this? But we're supposed to know people at the hospital, at the nursing home, at the home care agency, at the assisted living. Um, we're supposed to have all these relationships so that when the crisis happens, we're like, I know exactly who to call. And basically that's what happened. Um, I have relationships with people 
they're called placement companies and they help people find assisted living. Um, and I help people go transition to the assisted living, but I have partners, you know, in the industry. And I knew that I'll just call her Mary. I don't know if I'll remember to call her Mary again. <laughs> These incognito names, but I knew that she worked that hospital for marketing. And I thought she knows every case manager on staff by first name. She texts them regularly. And I thought if we can get to Mary, then we can find out what the discharge plan is. And the discharge plan is basically like, what does he do after he leaves the hospital? So I thought first, let's get to the person who's making the decisions because that case manager is going to make the decisions. Um, and then basically we kind of just talked through what do you want? What do you think your family wants? And let's try scenario A, B, and C. And we kind of talked through it. Um, you may have some questions, so I don't want to keep talking and talking if you have some input in the middle. <laughs> no, this is great. Keep going because I know a lot of people don't know the process of what happens. And Ryan, he has a home care company um, in Massachusetts, so he is very well versed in this as well, I'm sure. <laughs> He gets it for sure. You probably have all those relationships too. It's so neat because in the senior industry, we overlap each other and we're all working together to serve the people in the hospital or at home or in the assisted living, all these different areas. So, so often we would know the same people. Um, so with your friend, we basically talked on the phone and said, you know, do you think you know, do you think he wanted to go to rehab, first of all? So during COVID, that's not always the case. So almost always people go, you know, break something, take a fall, go to the hospital, stay three nights because that'll trigger some Medicare coverage, then go to rehab and then figure out if they're going to go home with home care, go to assisted living. COVID has changed that. You only have to stay for one night to trigger that. So people are in and out fast. And rehab is not always the go-to anymore because if you want to see your family and you don't get to see them that long, 14 days to 20 days, that they may be out of reach for you. Um, so sometimes that just means, okay, let's go home with home care and hire a private therapist, hire hire a concierge doctor to get you really good medical care immediately, call home health. Let's get every possible service in there um, covered by Medicare and covered privately so that you can make it. Thankfully, that was not the case here. My friend Mary had connections at all the rehabs, just like I do. So we're able to call them on a moment's notice and say, do you have a bed available? And we're sort of picky. Like, Aging care managers know the good nursing homes and nursing home and rehab in our state is the same thing. So we just said, here's our favorite. We're not going to badmouth anybody, but here's where we would like you to go. And we're going to see if we can make that happen. And so my friend Mary made that happen. Yeah, he kept me involved the whole time. He's like, look at these emails. These girls are on it. You know, and he's like, look at the time. They're still working on it. So he was so impressed. And that just shows the power of a strong network too. something like the National Aging in Place Council. Even though we're separated by hundreds of miles, um, we still have a really strong network and can really help people 
um, anywhere if you uh, contact some one of our members. So Ryan, have you had a lot of experience in your world of people not wanting to go to, to rehab facilities because of that 14 day, 21 day window? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, there are a lot of people that don't want to go to rehab just just period that <laughs> they want to go home. Um, and the ACO structure that's that's changed in this country has incentivized hospitals to send people home as well. There's a monetary, uh, there's a their money is the, the, the always the, the root of all these decisions. And so hospitals don't have to uh, share the money with rehab centers if people go directly home. Um, you know, where, where Jeannie comes in and is, is in, in, in care management comes in, that's so critical. While we do somewhat overlapping things in terms of we're private pay and we help out with families, um, I, I, and I don't mean to sound callous in any way, but I really only can focus on what happens between when my caregiver gets there, when my caregiver leaves and the services that we provide with our caregiver. And so that's going to be ADLs, non-medical care. But there are hundreds of different things going on in a house and I can't be the general contractor of that care service. And that's where Jeannie comes in. So whether it's family, like I literally was on the phone with my director of client care before we, I hopped on because we have a client that punched a window through, uh, punched her hand through the window at three o'clock last night and wow. was screaming out to the neighbors to call the police because our caregivers have her hostage. It's it, so that's GCM written all over. <laughs> that's come up, fly on up, Jeannie. Um, so you know that's where that's where we sit back and say, hey, listen, we're here to provide care. We're here to do ADLs. We're not here to manage the situation. And that's where we can bring somebody in who's an advocate for the family. And there's always the risk that the decision that Jeannie and um, the family come up with could negatively impact me. Maybe at this point in time, it makes sense for this individual that I, I mentioned to go into a nursing home at this point in time. You know, it's, it's an out of control situation. Well, that stinks business wise, but at the same time, we have to do what's right for the customer. We have to do what's right for our caregivers. And that situation is no longer safe. And when a family is able to hire a care manager directly, they're being their advocate. While I think for myself, I would never... I would now. I would like to think that I wouldn't allow my business to impact what is best for a client. There is a inherent conflict of interest with a lot of other vendors, because hey, listen, if I keep this case going, that's revenue in my pocket, even if it's not the right thing to do. So when you bring a care manager in, you get rid of that conflict of interest or even any semblance of it, and you're paying for an advocate to help out with your situation. And nine times out of 10, if not 9.5 times out of 10, that's a good thing for me, not a bad thing. So I'm all for care management. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> well, Jeannie, what would you say if uh, all the families that you help, we're trying, I'm trying to come up with questions that I ask all of our guests. And um, one that I kind of like is what is the one question that you wish people would ask you that no one does? And it can be about your business. It could be about life. It could be about seniors. I'm curious. Um, I wish people would ask me um, what qualifies me to do this job. 
Because I always think, um, I, you know, I probably need to be more trustworthy, but I guess I'm good at my job because I'm not. <laughs> I'm like always making sure the people who work with my families are trustworthy. But I always think, is this, why would you trust this random happen, you know, stance, nice person who wants to help? I mean, I could be some crazy person off the street that just sounds nice. And I always wish people would say, why can you, why? what qualifies you? Um, so what qualifies me personally is um, I have a background in social work. And so I've done mental and behavioral health and I've worked in nursing homes and I've worked in memory care and assisted living and I've worked in placement, which means I know how to help people figure out where to go, whether it's home care or assisted living. And then I've worked in elder law. So I feel like there's all these things that I'm helping people figure out that I've, you know, done firsthand um, that hopefully will help them move along the process better. But I'm, you know, I always think, you know, you don't want a care manager that's just decided to move from the business world into care management and happens to be a good general contractor, but has no experience. (laughs) Well, one thing, one thing I, I think would be interesting to talk about, I used that example before about that, that kind of family dynamic issue. Uh, going on the 80-20 rule where probably 80% of your cases are going to come from 20% of the reasons. What do you think are your top two or three um, calls that you, you know, for people listening and watching this, when you say aging life care or G- GCM, that doesn't necessarily explain what kind of situations you're able to help with. What are those most common situations that you should you would want people to know about so that when they see that happen, they can go, okay, I know I need to get a care manager in this situation. Yeah, um, there's always two situations that I think of immediately. The first situation um, would be the solo senior. Some people say elder orphan, but we've tried to streamline that into a prettier phrase. Um, But someone who does not have family either around or that they're in contact with. So there's so many people that don't have children, you know, then they don't have nieces or nephews, their brothers and sisters have passed. I mean, truly, they don't have anybody to step into their lives and be a decision maker. And that's when geriatric care managers can come in and say, you know, I'm willing to be your go-to. I call it boots on the ground. Um, And so if you know an older adult who's living at home, or sometimes they're in independent living, and they just don't have a go-to, that's a great time to think of a care manager because really we can be that adult daughter for hire um, and be there at the hospital. I have some clients who, you know, live in an independent living and their kids are in California and their kids are still the decision makers, but I'm the boots on the ground. And so if the hospital would let me in, it's COVID, so they probably wouldn't, but I would be the one at the hospital. Um, And another scenario really are if you know people struggling with dementia and they're just not functioning the way they used to, um, it's a great time to call because, you know, dementia can be so sticky if they're, if it's a family at the beginning stage of dementia, you don't want to do anything embarrassing. And if it's a family at the end stage of dementia and they, um, are just hard to communicate with, then you could burn a bridge and not realize it. They might forget it in five minutes, but it still just gets a little bit sticky. So those are great people to bring in care managers because you think, okay, are they still okay where they are? Do they need support? Like 
when you were talking about that a few minutes ago, I thought sometimes people with dementia just need some aromatherapy and they need to see a neurologist and get on some, you know, some mood stabilizing meds so that they can function better. But other times you think they actually need a lot more intervention. I tell a lot of the people um, who attend my Alzheimer's support group, I'm like, you know, sometimes it takes three shifts of eight hours to take care of someone with dementia. And so these caregivers who do it alone 24 seven, they think, why am I irritable? And I think, because it normally takes three people to do what you're doing. Um, but people with dementia and people who are alone are two great times to think of care managers. Yeah, that's great. And you're such a resource to families that, um, you know, don't, don't have anywhere to turn. One of the things uh, that I've been talking a lot to people um, lately is about solo aging and how to plan for solo aging. And this is a great resource to have for those people um, that are aging by themselves. So that's fantastic. Do you have any secret items in your caregiver's toolbox that you, that you would like to share with us today for the other professionals out there? Oh my goodness. Um... You know, what's so funny is just talking about the support group. I think that's one of my secret tools. I think I bring that up once a day to someone. There's so many people going through the situation and, and they're either working with or not working with a care manager, but the amount of stress that they're under, I think they just never give um, that enough weight in their lives. And I think support groups are a great way to go. And, and it always, I think everyone who attends my support group the very first time they're thinking, should I even be here? And once you dip your toe in, you're like, oh, I can be myself. It's okay. This is really helpful and therapeutic. So I truly would say support groups is a good tool. Nice. Is that something that you're doing online now during COVID and then in person? I am. So I'm going to stay online because I happen to move. And so Alzheimer's Association is just letting me go online. So truly anybody listening to this who has a loved one with dementia is welcome to join my support group. And I just love that. We really do have people from other states joining in and um, and, you know, we're so casual. We have very few rules. Our only rule is don't try to fix somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And if someone wanted to get more information, what is the best way to get a hold of you or to get information about that support group? Right. I would say you can email me at Jeannie at agingcaremanagement.com. But I'm also on Facebook, on Google, on LinkedIn. So if you just Google Jeannie Christian or Aging Care Management, um, all of my contact information will pop up and hopefully you'll just see the time of the support group. You can all, always just contact me directly. I, I do love to help. It may be Saturday night at seven and there's a commercial and I'm like, I'm happy to text. <laughs> <laughs> and also on the National Aging in Place uh, Council page, ageinplace.org, we have a directory and you and your new business is listed on there as well. So you are in... Georgia, north of Atlanta now, because you just moved. So where's your geographic region? Where can you help? Uh, what families can you help? Right. I'm in Dalton, Georgia, so I can help people in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but I can also help people in underserved areas like Cartersville, Rome, um, Calhoun, Ellijay. And so people in Georgia will think, oh, nobody is out there, but I'm out there and, and would love to serve people in that area. That's great. 
And and so when when families are giving you a call, I imagine part of the service and the you had mentioned why you do like what makes you qualified to do what you do. I I would imagine, and my experience with other care managers has been that they just know the system, um, and that system is a juggernaut to understand. I don't understand it, um, and when you're in a st stressed out mode. And then you're put into a system where a bunch of different people that are asking you a bunch of questions with words that are really long, that don't make any sense. And you're like, hey, what do I do? I imagine just knowing the system is such a relief for a lot of the people that you work with. It really is. I mean, yeah, your friend, Tara, who was like, where do I go to in the hospital? I think, oh, case managers. And you're right. Like that comes to my mind immediately. But they don't even know to ask for that. I'm sure they're, you know, his first person to talk to was like, well, what is the doctor saying? Or, you know, and I'm thinking, no, 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 we're bypassing the doctor. The doctor's already put in his notes, you know, you're right. In this system, here's who you talk to and here's who they hand it off to. And this is the paperwork they need. And you're right, it's just streamlining that when the family's already so stressed out. I tell a lot of families like, you know, I can take off a lot of the, um, the system issues so that you can be the son or daughter because really you want to be loving on your parents. You don't want to be going, where's the paperwork that the doctor needs? You know, you just, that's not fun. And I, I always think that after working for an elder law attorney, I always think that about getting your documents in place. And um, if you have it all together, you know, after the loss of somebody, you're not trying to figure out probate, you're getting degrees. And I think just, I want people to be able to be human, you know, and just to be able to, you know, connect on a human level instead of all the logistics. Yeah, that's great. And sometimes it's just nice to have a third party who's not emotionally involved, who can just think outside of the situation to just kind of take over and, and give advice in a non-medical, normal conversation kind of way. That's what when my friend called my husband, he's a physical therapist. He's like, can you tell me what this means and this means? And is my dad in big trouble? Is there what what's happening? So that's um, great that you you have that service out there. So thanks for joining us today, Ryan. How did we do? Second podcast, thumbs up. <laughs> I think uh, you you are now host A, like uh -oh. you rocked it. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so if anyone has any uh, questions, please feel free to contact Jeannie um, or contact us and we'll certainly uh, put you in touch with Jeannie. And if you're a professional serving the aging services marketplace, we would love to have you at the National Aging in Place Council. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Ryan. thanks so much. <laughs>